Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Are you trying to master the game of life without success? There are secrets and strategies to living your best life. We'll share some of them with you on today's show. Take advantage of this series to become an expert at relationships. All relationships. It's time to live the life that you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Sandra Reich. Hi, and welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich, a show about living your very best life. And I am not going to deny it. I am beyond excited today and like a a young girl, like all chipper and excited to speak to my guest. He is a hero of mine. He has changed my life and so many others. I am so excited that he's on the show. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Uh, Dr. Caldwell Esselstein received his BA from Yale University and his MD from Western Reserve University on top of being an incredibly brilliant doctor, which you're going to hear all about. Uh, In 1956, he pulled the number six oar as part of the victorious United States rowing team and won a gold medal at the Olympic Games. He was trained as a surgeon at the Cleveland Clinic and at St. George Hospital in London. In 1968, as an army surgeon in Vietnam, he was awarded the Bronze Star. So a hero in every which way. He is the author also of the best-selling book, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease, which draws on the insights from his decades of rigorous research and more than 150 scientific papers, where he explains with irrefutable scientific evidence how we can literally end heart disease epidemic forever by changing what we eat. Can you imagine that? Literally end heart disease epidemic. His work is featured in the extraordinarily popular documentary, Forks Over Knives. If you have not seen this movie, you must see it. Welcome to Straight Talk, Dr. Esselstein. Sandra, delighted to be with you. Thank you so much. So, you know, we understand that you claim, and I know you do, to have simple and life-saving prescriptions towards heart disease. Wow, that's huge. (laughs) Well, the truth be known, heart disease is nothing more than a toothless paper tiger that Mm -hmm. need never, ever exist. And if it does exist, it need never progress. This is a completely benign foodborne illness. A foodborne illness. Now, how could it be that so many people still don't know this? And this is not common. This is not the way zeitgeist of this generation speaks, that heart disease can be cured and is a foodborne disease. So where have we gone so terribly wrong? Well, let's just take a look, first of all, at the uh, epidemiology of this. By that, I mean, if you were a cardiac surgeon and you hung out your shingle in uh, Okinawa, uh, how about uh, rural China, the mm-hmm. Papua Islands in New Guinea, Central Africa, the Tarahumara Indians in northern Mexico? Forget it. You better plan on selling pencils. Why? <laughs> they don't have heart disease there. Why? Because they all thrive on whole food, plant-based nutrition. They are not eating foods that, uh, that injure them. I mean, it's, it's really almost embarrassing and it's shameful that here in this in the West, we have built a billion-dollar health industry <clears throat> around an illness that does not even exist in half the planet. Wow. So, you know, maybe we should go back a step, and I could ask you, what is coronary heart disease? What is that? Well, <clears throat> cardiovascular disease is the most common killer of women and men in Western civilization, and the one that's most the part of cardiovascular illness that is most featured is heart attacks, coronary artery disease, the arteries that bring blood supply to the heart muscle. And when you're eating the Western diet, over the years they can build up plaque and the plaque can rupture or just build up itself big enough to block the artery. And when the artery is blocked, then the muscle loses, the heart muscle loses all of its nourishment and a portion of it dies and that's your heart attack. But the exciting thing is that uh, it probably is, I'm going to take a moment, I think, to really try to explain to your, to your listeners how this, uh, how this happens, how it occurs, and how we can stop it. Because the truth be known uh, that the reason this disease has its inception, its beginning, its onset, is when we progressively injure the life jacket and the guardian of our blood vessels, which happens to be 
that tender, delicate, innermost lining of the artery, which has the unusual name of endothelium. That's E-N-D-O-T-H-E-L-I-U-M. The endothelium manufactures an absolutely magic molecule of gas, nitric oxide, not nitrous oxide, nitric oxide, which has a number of truly remarkable functions that rem- that really uh, accounts for the salvation and, and the protection of our blood vessels. For example, nitric oxide it, it keeps all the cellular elements within our bloodstream flowing smoothly like Teflon rather than Velcro. Mm. Things from getting sticky. Number two, nitric oxide is the strongest blood vessel dilator in the body. When you climb stairs, the arteries to your heart, the arteries to your legs, they widen, they dilate. That's nitric oxide. Number three, Nitric oxide prevents the wall of the artery from becoming thick and stiffer and flame, protects you from getting high blood pressure or hypertension. Number four, and this is the absolute key, a safe and adequate amount of nitric oxide protects us all from ever to making blockages or plaque in our artery. And now the, the thing that's so ex- exciting about this is that literally, Everybody on the planet who has cardiovascular disease to their heart, to their legs, to their brain, has their disease because by the time they develop it, they have now so sufficiently trashed, injured, and compromised the capacity of their endothelial cells to make nitric oxide, they simply don't have enough to protect themselves. But the good news is this. This is not a malignancy. And when you get patients to understand that the reason they have their disease is because they have turned their endothelial cells into a train wreck. And if they never again eat anything that is going to further injure the endothelial cell, they recover. And as they make enough nitric oxide, they can stop the disease and often they can get striking examples of disease reversal. But the key here is to have patients embrace and understand that the reason they have their disease is that over decades, with the foods they've eaten, they have now so diminished their nitric oxide, they don't have enough. And there's no reason on God's green earth why they cannot be empowered as the locus of control to reverse and restore the health of their vasculature. Now, what are the foods that every time they pass your lips, you injure the endothelial cells? They are. Any oil, olive oil, corn oil, soybean oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, coconut oil, palm oil, oil in a cracker, oil in a piece of bread, oil in a salad dressing. Oil injures the endothelial cells, as does anything with a mother or a face. Meat, fish, chicken, fowl, turkey, and eggs, and dairy, milk, cream, butter, cheese, ice cream, yogurt, and sugary drinks. Pepsis, Cokes, sugary drinks, excesses of cakes, pies, cookies, stevia, agave, maple syrup, molasses, and honey in excess. And I don't like coffee with caffeine. Tea with caffeine, okay. Decaf, okay. I don't like coffee with caffeine. <laughs> now, what we've done is we've seen now over the years, with several studies that we've done on these patients who were severely ill with cardiovascular disease. They were, they were no longer were they candidates for stents or bypasses. And uh, it was so exciting to see them absolutely blossom uh, and begin to reverse their disease when they got it straight. But I do not have a program that is 90% or 95%. That doesn't work because think of it this way. If you have so trashed your endothelial cells that you've had heart disease, And yet, that means that 5% of the time, if you're one of these 95 percenters, 5% of the time, you are still trying to further damage and injure an endothelial system that is already a train wreck. Okay. So, uh, if I put this all together, just so we're clear, first of all, we need to increase nitric uh, nitric oxide in our body, correct? Uh, Well, are we talking about patients who have no heart disease? Or are we talking about patients who do have heart disease? I would, like, I would I think, like to know for both. I think you're absolutely right. So how? what foods give us this? 
Well, the food, <laughs> I just, I'll go through them again. No, what gives it? No, the foods that give us the problem you told us about, but what foods will increase our nitric oxide in our body? Well, you know, what will, what will increase the nitric oxide in your body is when you eat in a way that you no longer are injuring. The ah. So those foods are all the various wonderful whole grains for your cereal, bread, pasta, bagels, and rolls, all those wonderful 101 different types of legumes, beans, lentils, okay. and marvelous red, yellow, and green leafy vegetables, white potatoes, sweet potatoes, and some fruit. And there are now literally hundreds of recipes available with these delightful foods. So what you're simply asking a patient to do is the following. Give up one pile of delicious food that is absolutely destroying them and accept another pile of delicious food that will absolutely enhance it. Restore your endothelial cells. And that makes so much sense to me. And, you know, I'm, I'm a believer. I want to reach some of the people that aren't believers. So why do you think I'm, I'm, I'm playing the psychology card here with you because that's my field. Why is there so much resistance and why do people find that so radical, what you're saying? I mean, people still find the idea of no fish, no meat, no oil, no dairy, no eggs radical. They'll say that's crazy. What, what do you think is the reason? Oh, let's, before we get, uh, let me just tackle that for a minute. The people who are uh, wanting to uh, feel that meat and fish are sacrosanct. And I think there's really been, just in the last several years, uh, Stanley Hazen and his group from the Cleveland Clinic had done some elegant research uh, looking at a couple of molecules that we call uh, lecithin or phosphatidylcholine and carnitine. I'm sorry to get a little technical with your with your audience, but those molecules are uniquely found in eggs, dairy, meats, and seafood. In other words, the animal protein. And in people who are omnivores, when they eat these meats, these animal foods, omnivores possess in their gut bacteria with, that have the capability of converting the lecithin and carnitine into a nasty molecule called TMA, trimethylamine, which becomes rapidly oxidized by your liver to trimethylamine oxide, which absolutely is deleterious and injures the blood vessels. So <clears throat> that the work of Stanley Hazen has been repeated by others. And indeed, if the striking thing about that is that if you were to take somebody who is totally plant-based, and feed them a lamb chop, then test their blood for TMAO. It's not there. Why? Because persons who are totally plant-based do not, do not contain in their gut bacteria that have the capability of converting lecithin or carnitine to TMAO. So that's just some of the, 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 the absolute basic science that should help those people who are skeptical uh, about <laughs> the whole meat situation. And there's article after article after article that clearly shows whether it's osteoporosis, whether it's cancer, uh, whether it's heart disease, that meat eaters have a much uh, more rapid uh, time of calamity. As a matter of fact, uh, it's interesting that when we get to, maybe we'll get to the studies that I've done with uh, whole food plant-based nutrition. Yeah. We, took pa we took patients who were literally they had failed their first or second bypass. They'd failed their first or second angioplasty or stent. They were too sick for these procedures or they had refused. Five were told by their expert cardiologist they wouldn't live out the year. Those five all made it beyond 20 years. And it was really quite striking that when those folks absolutely eliminated every last bit of any food that was going to further injure their endothelial cells, they could stop their disease and they began to reverse it. Wow. Now, why isn't it? Why hasn't it caught on? This is what I think. Yeah. First, habits are terribly ingrained, and perhaps no habits are more ingrained than what we do three times a day, 365 days a year. They become so entrenched; it's very difficult for people to think, "My gosh, how can I give up my cheeseburger? How can I give up my pizza? How can I give up those?" milkshakes. I mean, they're entrenched, they taste delicious, and so forth. Uh, so that's going to take a while. And the other thing is, uh, 
and I am while I'm I used to be hesitant to bring this up. Hmm. With all due respect, I'm an enormous threat to medicine's biggest cash cow. Mm. Patients who see us uh, who are not in emergency who have been told they should have a stent or a bypass, they never have to have it. We literally we can save millions of dollars to the healthcare system with patients who simply uh, will, are willing to make these kinds of lifestyle changes. And we've done this now with close to a thousand patients. So we know it's something that's workable. And the, the exciting thing is that when patients who have this disease are fully informed of what they can do, uh, they, our compliance rate is close to 90%, actually 89.3%. Now, why does that happen? Why are, <laughs> why are patients willing to make this transition? Well, I think there are several reasons. And one is, you, this is never going to happen if you see somebody as a patient for 12 or 15 minutes in the office. You're just not going to get a lifestyle change of this profound. So what we have done over the years, since about 85% of our patients come from outside of the state of Ohio, we know they cannot stay for days at a time in Cleveland. Therefore, we decided several decades ago that we had to synthesize and put together an intensive counseling seminar that was one day long, five and a half hours, where they were going to learn all about how they created their disease and precisely how we were going to show them how they could be empowered as the locus of control to halt and to reverse their disease. And the thing that is so important here is you always insist that the spouse or the significant other be in attendance. Both parties must learn about this. You're wasting your time. But in five and a half hours, several things happen. One, you, sh you have shown the patient respect. The only way that I know to show a patient respect is to truly give them my time. And in addition, my secretary will give me, uh, two weeks before our seminar, she'll give me a list of the persons who are attending. And I personally call every one of them so I can get my arms around their story and they have an opportunity to ask questions of me. So they're coming to the seminar. We have a strong platform from which we can all move forward. By then, many of them have seen the movie Folks Over Knives. They've gone to my website. Perhaps they've read my book, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease. And uh, they really have a grounding in what, uh, in what can happen and what can be expected of them. Okay, so we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about your studies, actually, Dr. Esselstein. We want to get to that, and we want to talk about people who say things like, well, it's just genetics, and I know somebody who ate and drank and did whatever they want. So if you're thinking that right now, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Spa Munari is a full-service wellness day spa located at the heart of West Island, Quebec. Submerge yourself in beauty with one of our many treatments, specially catered to your needs. We offer facials, manicures, pedicures, hair removal, massages, body treatments, and so much more. Enjoy our ultimate relaxation experience with our spa packages. We offer a men's menu as well. Call us today to book your next appointment at 514-695-5040 or visit us on the web at spamunari.com. That's 514-695-5040 or spamunari.com. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. 
Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety, featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. We are back. I am here with uh, one of my personal heroes, a man who goes around the world tirelessly spreading knowledge that empowers people and gives them locus of control over their lives. What could be better for those of you who know me? This is like my high in life. Dr. Essel Stin, and I am going to check if I'm saying it right because I love him and I'm saying his name wrong. Dr. Essel Stin, am I saying your name right now? Oh, it's perfect now. Oh, yay. Okay. So I'm here with him, and in the background is his beautiful wife, who's an incredible chef. you got to check out her books. And we're talking a little bit, we were talking on the break a little bit about his pathway to his very, very important study. So from what I understand, Dr. Esselstyn, you were the chairman of the Breast Cancer Task Force, and you were getting rather discouraged. Can you tell us a little bit why? Well... For no matter how many women I was doing breast surgery, I was doing absolutely nothing for the next unsuspecting victim. And this uh, led me to do a bit of uh, global uh, research. And it was really quite striking that in uh, other cultures, like, for example, Kenya, breast cancer was 30 and 40 times less frequent than it was in the United States. And if you looked at breast cancer rates in rural uh, Japan, in the 1950s, uh, breast cancer was in, infrequently identified, and yet as soon as the Japanese women would migrate to the United States by the second and third generation, they now had the same rate of breast cancer as their Caucasian counterpart. Perhaps even more compelling was when you looked at cancer of the prostate throughout the nation of Japan. In 1958, in the entire nation of Japan, how many autopsy-proven deaths were there from cancer of the prostate? 18. One of the most mind-boggling public health figures that I think I've ever encountered. Now, somewhere along the line there, it seemed to me that we would get more bang for the buck if we looked at the leading killer uh, of women and men in, in the United States, which was cardiovascular disease, because here... In this global research that I was doing, it was so apparent there were multiple cultures that were largely plant-based where cardiovascular disease was almost virtually non-existent. And uh, that was just so mind-boggling because the dream, the dream became this. If we could persuade people to eat to save their heart, they would also in likelihood lessen the likelihood of the common Western cancers of breast, prostate, colon and pancreatic perhaps so that was that was kind of the uh, kind of the background okay so that is quite an important background because obviously through that process you came to do your very important research um, now what your research was originally published in uh, 1995 a long-term nutritional research on arresting and reversing coronary artery disease in severely ill patients which was updated 12 years later and reviewed beyond 20 years in your book prevent and reverse heart disease making it one of the longest longitudinal studies of its type um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, when it, when it started initially, uh, there were several things. I was still in 1985. Uh, I was still in the, No, I actually, actually, I should probably tell you uh, 
<laughs> the day it started. Uh, I began knowing sometime in 1982, 83, 84, that I was going to do this study. But I was a cholesterol-holic myself. I mean, oh, I, I grew up on a Aberdeen Angus beef farm and a dairy farm, and I, and I love these uh, animal products. But my research convinced me that uh, this was perhaps not the way to go. And so I was determined to make this lifestyle change, but I just kept putting it off. And if you've learned about lifestyle change, the Dr. Prochaska from Rhode Island has done some wonderful work there showing the, the number of phases that you go through from pre-contemplation to contemplation to action and then to maintenance. Mm. And uh, it was in, uh, in New Haven, Connecticut, in uh, 1984 in April that my wife and I w- were attending a surgical conference and it was one of those situations where the paper, papers were extremely dull and boring. The weather was terrible, but they always have a banquet after these situations. So at the banquet, a waitress put a plate of roast beef in front of me and the roast beef was so enormous, it was just draped over the sides of the plate. And I just took one look at it and looked at my wife and I said, this is it. This is my epiphany. She said, you mean you're not going to eat that? I said, no. She said, well, then I'll have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, actually, my wife's mother had died at age 52 oh. of breast cancer. And two weeks after that uh, conference in New Haven, her sister came down with breast cancer and that's when she looked at me in the eye and said I'm with you so that's when we started in April of 84 and I ate this way for a year and my cholesterol sort of plummeted and uh, not initially I mean uh, after two or three months it was from 190 down to 155 and then finally I suddenly realized my god I've just got to stop the oil as soon as I stopped the oil it was down to 119 no medicine no drugs just uh, eating without the oil Wow. And then uh, I went to the Department of Cardiology and asked if I could have about 24 patients that were uh, significantly ill with cardiovascular disease. And I was going to try to see if I could get them, persuade them to eat plant-based nutrition to see if we couldn't arrest or perhaps even reverse their heart disease. Now, that my late brother-in-law used to call these original patients of mine, Essie's Walking Dead. Because they had, as I mentioned, they had failed their first or second bypass. They had failed their first or second uh, angioplasty and stents. Uh, they were too sick for these procedures or they had refused. And there were five who were told by their expert cardiologist they wouldn't live out the year. And now the key here upon which I was concerned where the study would absolutely flounder would be with lack of patient compliance. And uh, since I was not a train, trained psychologist... Uh, I felt that uh, I would use the same mantra for my uh, heart patients that I'd use for my cancer patients. And this was a mantra that I had learned years ago from a wonderful West Coast uh, surgeon by the name of Bert Dunphy. And Bert said that patients with cancer are not afraid to suffer. Patients with cancer are not afraid to die. But patients with cancer are afraid of being abandoned. Right. By, by their family or by their physician. So for the first five years of the study, I saw every patient every two weeks in the office. We drew blood for their cholesterol, checked their blood pressure, their weight, and I went over every morsel they ate. At the end of five years, uh, I got more courageous and I stretched it out to once a month. And then at the end of a decade, which now is going to make it the longest study of its type, uh, they were pretty well on autopilot, so I was seeing them quarterly. And we really saw some striking examples of most of these, all these patients actually got rid of their chest pain in their angina. At the same time, they also, uh, it was interesting when we did some follow-up angiograms, when they uh, were found to be reversing their disease in 25% of this group. So, so it was really quite striking to see these, these uh, the benefits and the results. And I remember in particular uh, one gentleman uh, who uh, about 10 or 11 months after we started, he had two 
things that were seriously wrong. His heart was severely ill with blockages, and he also had a blockage in his right uh, thigh muscle, thigh in his, uh, excuse me, in his blockage in the, the blood vessel going to his foot, and the blockage was in his thigh. And uh, he had to stop five times walking across the skyway to my office because his calf muscle would uh, really cramp up because of the lack of blood supply. And he would stop and rest and get enough blood trickling in through the bypass and collaterals to uh, continue. But I was so focused on his heart, I forgot, forgot totally about his leg. And 11 months later, he said to me, do you recall when I first started seeing you how, when I had to stop five times crossing the sky with your office? Yeah. He said, you know, the last month it got to be four times, then it was three, then it was two, then it was one. He said, you know... I don't stop anymore. The pain is gone. So this was sort of a eureka moment for us. So I repeated the pulse volume, which is a test of the strength of the pulse at his ankle. And it had doubled since he had come on our program. So we had now absolutely unrefutable, rock solid, scientific data that Mm -hmm. food and food alone could halt and to reverse this disease in people who did it. 100%. 100%. And you're going to say, or your audience might say, well, wait a minute. What about the statin drug? Gotcha. This was 1986. We no didn't, statin drug. We didn't have any statin drugs. So it was, it was really quite an exciting experience to see uh, the results that, that happened with these folks. I think it bears repeating, and I'm going to quote you on this, it was food and food alone that affected your patients, correct? That, that affected that patient. Now, there yes. have been other patients uh, who are referred to as who are already taking statin drugs. But look, statin drugs have been out for 21 years. Statin drugs may slow disease progression, <clears throat> but by no means do they get rid of all disease. No, not at all. But heart disease can be, can be stopped or even reversed. Absolutely, yes. Okay, and heart, heart disease in Canada and the United States is, is considered an epidemic, is it not? Oh, absolutely it is. I mean, nothing is perhaps as, ex- as expensive or uh, really, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. There were two economists from the University of Chicago in 1999 reporting in the Chicago University Press. These were uh, Topel and uh, uh, Murphy. And they estimated that if we got rid of, in our country, if we got rid of heart disease, we would save $40 trillion. Now, what do you suppose that could do to our uh, balancing the budget? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, given that food has such an effect on us, are we saying then, just to be clear, that if we are eating the conventional North American diet and some way we're like ticking time bombs that we're, it's just a matter of time till we get ourselves into trouble? You know, uh, that uh, is a wonderful statement, Sandra, because it kicks off in my head a study of 904,000 patient years of follow-up. And if we look particularly at the uh, men and women in this study, <laughs> who at age 55, at age 55, had what we call absolutely optimal risk factors. They weren't smoking, they weren't diabetic, they did not have high blood pressure, they weren't overweight, they exercised regularly. You follow that group from age 55 to age 85 for 30 years. Then by at the end of 30 years, 30% of the women 40% 40% of the men will have now come down with a diagnosis of cardiovascular disease. In other words, the Western diet will get you sooner or later. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So let's review a little bit about the oils because just about a week and a half ago, I saw that there was a big study that came out, uh, you know, it was all over Facebook about coconut oil that they're finally acknowledging it's not good for you. Then there was a whole bunch of other studies saying, no, it's not true. To be clear, Dr. Esselstyn, there are no good oils. Well, here's, here's the bottom line. Let's suppose that you want to assess whether or not an oil is harmful 
to the endothelium. So is there a test for nitric oxide? Yes, there is a research test, and I'll try to share it with your audience. If you take an ultrasound probe and place it over the brachial artery at the elbow, then you will get a readout on the screen of the diameter of that artery. Then for five minutes, you will encircle the upper arm with a blood pressure cuff that you inflate above systolic blood pressure so that for five minutes now, you have absolutely zero blood flow to your forearm and hand. Then after five minutes, you release the cuff and immediately take the ultrasound probe and measure the new diameter of the brachial artery. And now it is going to be in a normal individual, it'll be 30% greater in diameter. Why? Because of all the tremendous outpouring of nitric oxide from the endothelial cells during that period when the tourniquet was on the upper arm. Wow. You know what? We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Spa Munari is a full-service wellness day spa located at the heart of West Island, Quebec. Submerge yourself in beauty with one of our many treatments, specially catered to your needs. We offer facials, manicures, pedicures, hair removal, massages, body treatments, and so much more. Enjoy our ultimate relaxation experience with our spa packages. We offer a men's menu as well. Call us today to book your next appointment at 514-695-504. Or visit us on the web at spamunari.com. That's 514-695-5040 or spamunari.com. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. We are back with the brilliance and filled with important information, Dr. Esselstyn. Dr. Esselstyn, you were talking about the fact that there are no good oils and the study that showed that to you. You were in the middle of explaining that to us. Well, I was trying to explain the brachial artery tourniquet test, which is a way we can determine whether a food group uh, injures that delicate innermost lining. And for example, at the break, I was explaining about the brachial artery tourniquet test and the dilatation of the uh, brachial artery that occurs after the tourniquet has been on. Once it's released, uh, there is this tremendous outpouring of nitric oxide. And in the normal individual, it'll be 30% greater than it was at the baseline before the tourniquet had been applied. 
Wow. Now, if you do that with somebody, let's say they, you have our volunteers and they uh, have a meal with olive oil or a salad with olive oil, they take olive oil. Uh, sure enough, you can see the, uh, the compromise. Uh, the, the endothelium cannot dilate the artery. Uh, as it did at baseline. And you can show this with olive oil, you can show it with soybean oil, you can show it with palm oil. Oil injures the endothelial capacity to dilate. And so no, no good oils. And what it's, the, the key here is this. When we've now progressively begun to identify what are the foods that every time we eat them, they injure the capacity of the endothelial cell to make nitric oxide. For example, if you go back to when we're children, we, that's when we start the injury, as children. And if you sadly look at somebody who is age 11 or 12 who has died, you will see now in their coronary artery the early fatty streaking already developed. Wow. From, from what they have done as a child. Now there's a rather interesting study uh, of women and men who were autopsied between the age of 17 and 34 who had died of accidents, homicides, and suicides. And at that early young age, the disease is now ubiquitous. It's there in everybody. Not enough for their cardiac events yet. But as they continue to eat the same foods through their 20s and 30s, now, lo and behold, here we are in the 40s and 50s and 60s, and now we start seeing those clinical cardiac events like stroke and heart attack. Because Although we're having our emphasis today on cardiovascular disease with your program, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say that medicine is going to wake up to the fact that right now, suddenly, in our possession, we have the strongest tool that we have ever had in our toolbox, and that is whole food plant-based nutrition, because not only does it stop heart disease, it stops hypertension, it stops diabetes, it stops vascular dementia, it stops Crohn's disease, it stops wow. ulcerative colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, and multiple sclerosis, allergies, asthma, and kidney disease. And it's really so incredibly profound because you do this with food. You don't have to do it with all the pharmaceuticals, what I call Pharmageddon. <clears throat> what do you get when you get these drugs? You get these horrible side effects, ridiculous expense, and none of them are treating the causation of the illness. You see, what medicine has got to change its whole paradigm about, if we're going to have this seismic revolution, we can't just be treating symptoms any longer. We've got to be treating the disease causation, and really, Ever since the days of Hippocrates, there's been a basic covenant of trust between the caregiver and the patient that whenever possible, the caregiver will share with the patient what is the causation of the illness. And sadly today, in cardiovascular medicine and in many other disease entities, rheumatoid arthritis and diabetes, this is simply not being done. And that's all got to change. And we, it's our responsibility to somehow... Uh, to make this seismic revolution happen. It's never going to happen with the invention of another pill, procedure, or an operation. The seismic revolution will occur when we have the will and the grit and the determination to share with the public what is the lifestyle and most specifically, what is the nutritional literacy that will empower them to absolutely annihilate chronic illness. Well, that is what you are doing here today, and we are very grateful to that. Now, people listen to this, and they say things like, okay, I get it, not too much oil, not too much meat, um, everything in moderation. Now, you have a chapter in your book called Moderation Kills, so yeah. that's not true? Well, no, I mean, it, <laughs> you know, I love that. Uh, it reminds me of uh, after I made a presentation in the West Texas uh, Academy of Family Practice. And there was a nice young 38-year-old physician who came to me afterwards and said, Dr. Esselstyn, I think that, uh, you know, this is a pretty severe, strict uh, change. I said, no, well, no, I would, I'll respectfully disagree because I think the most severe draconian and strict diet on the planet 
is the one presently eaten by 97% of Americans that literally guarantees that they're going to perish from some chronic illness. He said, okay, I get that. He said, but I'm 38 years old and I'm perfectly healthy. Why can't I eat what I want to eat on the weekends? And I said, well, first of all, this is America. You can eat whatever you want on the weekends or during the week. However, yeah. uh, what you're telling me is if you're going to eat all the meat, all the dairy, all the cheese and the oils on weekends, that's 104 days out of 365 that you're telling me you are striving to further perish, injure, and destroy your endothelial cells. So maybe what you'll have is a mild heart attack or just a touch of vascular dementia or maybe just a little bit of erectile dysfunction. <laughs> just a touch, just a touch. So, um, okay, so I'll, we're running out of time and there's a lot of things I still want to ask you uh, to check for people what is okay and what's not. So basically what you're saying is moderation is not the answer, is you really have to wrap your head around the fact of a whole food plant-based diet. And I'm glad you're, you know, I know it's important to you. We're not talking veganism, we're talking whole food plant-based. To say veganism doesn't quite get it, am I right? Well, yeah, I, I d- never in my book do I use any of the V words, either vegetarian or vegan. Now, I totally respect what they're doing, but why do I treat vegans for heart disease? Because vegans eat oil, vegans eat french fries, vegans eat glazed donuts. Okay, yeah, so basically you can be vegan and still be destroying your heart. It's right. really whole food, plant-based, no oil. What about fish, doctor? No, because fish, remember I talked about TMAL? Trimethylamine yep. oxide and fish mm-hmm. raise that as rapidly as anything. And fish are filled with, uh, if you like PCBs and mercury and dioxin in your system, then you go to the fish. Okay. And what about things like juicing or smoothies? Um, I'm a little cautious about uh, smoothies. Because? Uh, well, uh, I think there are in some situations they may be absolutely wonderful. And I'll tell you the reason I'm cautious because by now everybody knows it, who's in your audience how strongly I feel about restoring nitric oxide. Mm-hmm. Now, if you take somebody who is absolutely beautifully healthy at age 50, they're still now only making 50% of the nitric oxide that they made from their endothelial cells when they were 25, simply age alone. Mm-hmm. So, now, if they have heart disease on top of that, and I'm desperate to get those endothelial cells to, to do the job as best they can, I'll get them eating properly, but I got to get more nitric oxide, and the way I do that is through their gastrointestinal tract, okay? How do you do that? If I can persuade them to chew, not smoothies or juicing, but to chew a green leafy vegetable that is a nitrate, like, uh, let's say, kale, Swiss chard, spinach, arugula, beet, greens, and beets. Hmm. When, when they chew that nitrate, it is going to mix with the facultative anaerobic bacteria that reside in the crypts and grooves of their tongue. And those bacteria are going to reduce the nitrate in their mouths to nitrite. When they swallow the nitrite, it'll be further reduced in their stomach by gastric acid too nitric oxide, which can now enter their nitric oxide pool. The nitrites in their stomach, which did not get converted, further down the GI tract, they will be reabsorbed into the circulation. And when they circulate back through the salivary gland, they will be concentrated there 10 to 20 fold. So now, as you chew additional food, your own salivary glands are pouring nitrites into your mouth, which when swallowed will be further reduced by gastric acid to more nitric oxide mm, makes sense okay so a few other quick questions and we'll we'll, we'll probably have to have you back because there's so much to talk about nuts avocado and tofu well the uh, yeah i think that uh, for patients who already have established heart disease i've been uh, notoriously cautious about uh, nuts and the reason is that When I started all this in the 1980s, at that time, investigators were taking uh, either rodents or rabbits, and the way they created cardiovascular disease in them was was peanut oil. So that really made me very skeptical about the value of nuts. And also, nuts have a lot of saturated fat, which Mm. can contribute to this disease. So my patients with heart disease, I asked them to forego uh, 
not and I've really uh, not regretted it. And also, I have yet to see a single study anywhere where you have patients who are seriously ill with cardiovascular disease and give them peanut butter, give them the nuts they want, give them cashew sauce, and ever have the disease arrest in reverse. I've not seen that. Okay, what about a, a tofu? That's my last food question, tofu. Is tofu okay? Well, again, now we're talking about soy, <clears throat> and I guess I eat soy. Uh, I eat soy maybe, or tofu maybe three, four times a month, uh, but my wife makes a wonderful dessert with it. But I'm a little cautious about uh, soy once it has been really uh, highly processed. I think edamame is fine, but even there, it's, it's 40% fat. And my good friend Colin Campbell, who wrote the China study, has pretty well convinced me that an excess of soy protein can in- increase your IGF-1, which is a uh, that's an insulin <laughs> insulin growth factor one, which is a tumor promoter. Oh dear. Okay, Dr. Esselstyn, um, number one, uh, I'd like you to come back on the show. There's so much more to talk about. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. And I want people to know how they can find out more about your work and about your incredible wife's cookbooks and all. Where do they go to find out about all this? Well, I have a website, uh, com, And my wife and my daughter's uh, book is the Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease Cookbook. You are changing so many people's lives. You are giving back people the locus of control. We are all so honored and grateful to the work that you tirelessly do every day. Thank you so much, Dr. Esselstyn, for coming on Straight Talk with Sandra. All right, Sandra. Thanks again. All the best. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. And for our listeners, we will be back with you next week. In the meanwhile, keep your eyes on the stars. This is Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Thank you for listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. We hope you've enjoyed today's show and will tune in again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, go live your best life.